The road to episode 300 of the Igloo continues. This is episode 275. So, I guess this might be a real telltale sign that 300 is right around the corner. And on this episode, history made in Omaha. An abysmal offensive showing that quite frankly, has really upset a fan base to the point that they're probably asking for a change in head coach even more than the team that probably deserves it the most. All that and more on this edition of the Igloo. So let's start about what I mentioned just now. Friday night in the Garden, Nova St. John's. I mean, it was a rock fight. A good old-fashioned, old-school biggies rock fight. With some shitty shooting. Tied at 28th the break, and St. John's looked really sharp in the second half. Well, well until the final six and a half minutes. And actually, no, they were up as many as... 6 4438 with eight and a half to go. After AJ Store knocked down through his 4438. The rest of the way, Villanova outscores St. John's 19 to 5. Scoring 5 points in eight and a half minutes to close the game, that is just unacceptable. Quite frankly, it's embarrassing. They had this game in the bag, and they fumbled the bag. And a matter of fact, you know, the run they gave up. Villanova turned the tide of the game with a 13-2 run in the span of just over six minutes. A A wasted opportunity for the Johnnies. 57-49, Nova, and by the way, though, I called it, people. I told y'all Nova was going to win. 57-49, Caleb Daniels, I mean, most everyone sucked shooting the ball. Most everyone. But Daniels was 5-for-10 from the floor, 4-for-7 from behind the arc to finish with a game-high 16. 14 from Brandon Slater in 25 minutes. 9 from Chris Archidiakono, who knocked down a trio of three-pointers. Eric Dixon, 7 points, 11 rebounds, but just 1 for 10 from the floor. And 5 for 7 from the free throw line. Cam Whitmore, 5 points, 7 boards, 2 of 10 from the floor, and 1 of 5 from behind the arc. And just 6 combined bench points, 4 for Mark Armstrong in 29 minutes, 2 points in 9 minutes for Trey Patterson. And you look at Everything was pretty even for the most part. St. John's was plus six on the glass, but Villanova made five more threes than St. John's did. Eight three-pointers on 24 attempts for the Wildcats. Three for 12 for St. John's. And Nova was also 36.5% from the field, 32% overall for the Johnnies. Joel Soriano continuing to put up monster numbers, 14 points, 16 rebounds, but just four of 11 from the floor. 12 points for Dylan Adewusu, 4 for 7 from the floor, and 2 of 4 from behind the arc. 
Andre Corbella was six points off the bench and had a play where he, you know, dove right over Tim Brando and Jim Spinarkle at center court with their broadcast table and then proceeded to kiss a fan on the cheek. Uh, 29 minutes again for Corbello, six points. AJ Store with five points, two of six from the floor, one of two from deep, and then four each for Omar Stanley, Pasha Alexander, and David Jones. And it's crazy. David Jones is just complete nosedive compared to, you know, the stud he was at DePaul. I don't blame DePaul fans for thinking this is karma, though. (laughs) Speaking of uh, bad teams, Georgetown visiting number eight, Xavier. The Hoyas, first of all, they're they're not bad. They They have talent. I th- I think that goes without saying, but for the life of them, they just don't know how to win. I mean, Primo Spears has arguably been the best transfer in the conference. Arguably. Sule Boom might have him beat. More on him in a sec. Because this is a Xavier recap. But Xavier pulls away, and Georgetown's defense just continues to be abysmal. 95-82, 29 consecutive Big East losses. Xavier, they improved to 8-1 and in the league. And Zach Fremantle, a monster game. 30 points, 11 boards, 7 assists. 12 of 19 from the floor, 2 of 3 from behind the arc. Really good shooting from both teams. Georgetown even 50%, but Xavier nearly 55% from the floor and 57% from behind the arc. They were actually worse from the free throw line at 52.9%. Colby Jones at 20 points, 8 of 11 from the floor and 3 for 5 from behind the arc. Adam Kunkel with 14, 6 of 9 from the floor and 2 for 2 from deep. Sule Boom, 10 points, 4 of 7 from the floor, 1 of 2 from deep, and 7 assists, which was tied for the team high with Fremantle and Kunkel. Jack Nungy, 7 points, 9 boards, 3 assists, 3 of 13 from the floor. And then the bench, 14 points, 8 from Jerome Hunter to go with 5 boards and 3 assists, 4 from Desmond Claude, and then a 2 from Kiki Tandy. Meanwhile, for Georgetown, I mean, they lost this game by double digits despite 37 points and 11 assists from Primo Spears. 15 of 31 from the field, though, which, I mean, the shooting, percentage-wise, is not bad, but 31 shots. He took half of their shots. I mean, hey, he was the only one making a difference, and he was 3 for 11 from behind the arc. A cook, a cook had a double-double, 14 points, 10 boards, 10 points for Caduce Wahab, and three blocks, and a cook also had three blocks. Nine points from Jordan Riley. And after Brandon Murray played against Nova, did not play in this one. Uh, Jordan Riley back in the starting lineup. Nine points, three of seven from the floor, and two for three from behind the arc. Five off the bench from Wayne Bristol Jr. Four points from Bryson Mozone. And then off the bench, they got three in 13 minutes from Bradley Ezawiro. So it's crazy to think. Georgetown, 29 consecutive conference losses. And that's just unfathomable. Meanwhile, number 22 Providence hosting DePaul. 
I give DePaul credit. You know, Providence punched him in the mouth early, going on a 14-2 run to start the game. DePaul never wavered. And thanks to a monster shooting day from Noah Locke, Friars finished the season sweep 75-64. Locke with 29 in this one. 11 of 17 from the floor. 7 of 12. From behind the arc, I would say that's easily his best game in a Providence uniform. Bryce Hopkins, a double-double, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 7 of 13 from the floor, 1 of 3 from deep. Devin Carter, again, still no Jared Bynum. Carter with 10 points on 3 of 10 shooting and 2 for 6 from behind the arc and had a team-high 5 assists. 8 points, 9 boards from Ed Croswell. Four for Alan Breed, and then only two each off the bench from Rafael Castro and Clifton Moore. 40-30 edge on the glass for the Friars. And those, the three-point shooting made a difference. Providence 10 of 23. DePaul 7 of 21. And, uh... Let's see. DePaul's leaders in scoring. Well, Umoja Gibson had a team-high 16. 6 of 15 from the floor. 4 for 10 from behind the arc. 5 boards, 5 assists. Deshaun Nelson continues his tear... I mean, right now, he's probably a front-runner for sixth man of the year, or he's very much up there. 13 points, 6 of 9 from the floor, 28 minutes played. 9 points for Caleb Murphy on 4 of 9 shooting in 25 minutes. 7 for Javen Johnson, 3 of 9 from the floor and 1 of 4 from behind the arc. And then 6 each for Yorane, Eral Penn, and Philmon Gebrowitz. So the Friars, they're 7-2 in the league. Now, in a game where Jeremy Hazel was inducted into the Seton Hall Athletics Hall of Fame and had the special Jeremy Hazel like headband giveaway, Marquette put a hurting on Seton Hall. You know, Seton Hall started off great, but then Marquette, once they went on that big first half run to end the half, Tough for Seton Hall to get back from, and quite frankly, I mean, even Shaheen Holloway said it. They got their asses kicked, which sucks because, you know, they're coming off the high of that game after beating UConn, which is a monster comeback, and they didn't have enough to win this one. And it made it even worse, you know, Shaw's frustrated, and I don't blame him for being frustrated, not just with the loss, but the fact that, and I noticed this, mostly after losses, that Adam Zagoria, who, listen, I've, I, I, I don't say I've, I've worked with him in college, but I've seen him around the Seton Hall beat long enough to know that the guy is just a dickhead. And it's not a surprise that Kevin Willard always roasted the shit out of him before he moved on to Maryland, making fun of his making fun of his hair. Like I think it was Media Day virtually two years ago when he you know he looked like he just rolled out of bed. Great look, Zags. Great look. I I got more strong words for it, but I'm gonna hold back. But this just seems like. 
every time they lose. Brings up Yetna. And Shaq, quite frankly, he ain't fucking playing. I, I'm not making that up. He actually said that. Marquette ended up winning 74-53, by the way. 22 for Cam Jones on 8 of 14 from the floor. 5 for 9 from deep. How about a perfect 7 for 7 for Mosubi Godaro? 18 points, 6 boards. So those two guys really carried the load for the Golden Eagles. And Igadaro, I mean, perfect shooting day from the floor. 4 for 6 from the free throw line, but like, yeah. That doesn't really count. Perfect from the floor. Downright impressive no matter how you shape it up. Other notable contributors. Omax Prosper with 8 points on 2 of 4 shooting. 2 of 3 from deep. Chase Ross. 8 points in 25 minutes off the bench including just a nasty poster. I mean just a high flying slamma jamma. You know Q Mark Termel. The original Announcer for NBA Jam. Boom shakalaka. I mean, he brought it. Tyler Kolick with 7 points and 6 assists. 5 for David Joplin, but I mean, a hideous stat line. 2 of 10 from the floor, 1 of 8 from behind the arc. Stevie Mitchell with 4 points, and then 2 points for Sean Jones. As for Seton Hall, I mean... Kadari Richmond was the only guy in double figures. 10 points, 5 assists, 3 of 5 from the floor, knocked down his only 3-point attempt of the game. Tyree Samu with 8 points in 18 minutes, 7 for Al Dawes, but 3 of 10 from the floor, 1 of 6 from behind the arc, so it seems like he really crashed after having that big shooting week against Georgetown and DePaul. 8 points off the bench for Tay Davis in 15 minutes, so that's a sign. Meanwhile, 6 points for his brother Dre, all from behind the arc where he was 2 for 2. Five for Femi Odukali. Four points for Casey and Defo with a couple blocked shots. And then two points all from the free throw line from Trey Jackson in nine minutes. And then, oh, forgot to mention this, Jameer Harris knocked down a three in 18 minutes. By the way, Seton Hall shot it well. They shot the ball well. They were shooting like 70% or something. It was It was insane. They clearly cooled down in the second half because they end up shooting 46% from the field, roughly 41.7% from behind the arc. But they turned it over 26 times. And most of the time when you turn Marquette over 17 times, you're probably in good shape. But 26 turnovers, I mean, that's just, that's just unacceptable. Sound like a broken record here. And they also let Marquette shoot 53.7% from the floor and 33% from behind the arc. And that you know what that means? Marquette has now won in Newark in back-to-back seasons for the first time since the final year of the Buzz Williams era in 2014 and the first year of the Wojo era in 2015. Now, in a game that UConn clearly needed. They wanted to let the frustrations out after just a hideous three-game losing streak and having lost five of six. 
And they took all that anger and frustration after blowing, by the most recently, a 17-point lead to Seton Hall. They took it all out on Butler, and they beat the shit out of them. 86-56 the final, and they actually led 45-23 at halftime. I mean, it was all Huskies. Uh, by the way, want to send my well wishes out to uh, Jonathan the 14th. I know I'm not talking about women's hoops just yet, but I mean, look at how beat up the women's team is at UConn with all the injuries, and now they're li- not even their mascot can stay healthy. It sucks, but I just want to send my well wishes to Jonathan. He's such a good boy, so well behaved. And shout out to the people who train him. I mean, just so well-behaved, the goodest of boys. And I I thought it was absolutely adorable. Butler Blue was there for the weekend because they were facing the women's team for UConn the day before. And, you know, saying, you know, like, get well soon for Jonathan. Um, I wish I had the the Snoop Dogg meme where it just said, this is the cutest shit I've ever seen. Because that, that was that. A hundred percent. But back to the game, what was ugly? <laughs> UConn winning by 30. Jordan Hawkins, 20 points, 7 of 14 from the floor, and 2 of 8 from deep. Adama Sanogo back in his back, 17 points, 14 rebounds on 6 to 12 shooting. Alex Caravan, 15 points, 5 boards, 5 of 9 from the floor, 3 for 4 from behind the arc. Tristan Newton with 11 points. And the bench... Hassan Diara with 8 points, 3 of 3 from the floor, knocked down his only 3-point attempt of the game. Joey Calcaterra with 5, 2 for 6 from the floor, 1 of 3 from deep. 4 points for Donovan Klingon in 14 minutes, 4 rebounds. Nahima Lean had 2 points in 12 minutes. And then Andre Jackson, 25 minutes only, 2 points, 4 boards, 4 assists. 48-22 on the glass. I mean, I guess... Butler really missing Manny Bates, but I don't think Manny Bates would have made that much of a difference on the glass either. UConn just dominated. Eight turnovers, too. And But I will say, though, I mean, Butler was a perfect 16 of 16 from the free throw line, so, I mean, there's that. But UConn, 48% from the floor, 7 of 19 from behind the arc, and they hold Butler to 32.7% from the floor and 31.6% from behind the arc. Chuck Harris leads the way with 16 points on 4 of 12 shooting and 2 of 4 from behind the arc. Seamus Lukosius, 12 points on 4 of 8 shooting and 6 rebounds. Jaden Taylor with 11 points off the bench in 23 minutes. 6 all from behind the arc for Connor Turnbull in 14 minutes. 4 each from DJ Hughes, who I feel like I haven't mentioned him in quite a while. First game for him since New Year's Day. Miles Tate, another guy who's barely seen the court, he played 12 minutes and had four points on one of five shooting. Miles Wilmoth knocked down a three, another name I haven't mentioned in a while. And then the remaining three starters, Jalen Thomas, Ali Ali, Eric Hunter Jr., all held scoreless. So, yeah, that's quite an emphatic way for UConn to get back in the win column and. Now they're back to 500 in conference, sitting at 5-5. Five and five. Desperately needed that win and that blowout. I feel like they needed that more than just winning the game alone. 
for their confidence sake and saying like, oh yeah, we're back on our bullshit. So that was what happened over on the men's side. Transitioning to the women's side, obviously, the headliner, Maddie Segrist making history in Omaha and in, an, in a pretty emphatic victory. And by the way, I will say though, there were times throughout this game, like, I don't know if she's going to get the record because the attention was going to Maddie Burke, who just shot the lights out in the first quarter. If I'm not mistaken, I think she got all 15 of her points in the first quarter. Like, am, am I just making that up or am I right? Yeah, I was right. She made five. She got all 15 of her points in the first quarter. All from behind the arc. I think uh, Jim Flannery's like, all right, we got to close out on her. And I think that's what opened things up for Maddie. But again, she didn't break the record until the fourth quarter. Most of the time, she's hit the 20-point mark by halftime. Or at least by the third quarter. But she did it with a mid-range jumper and an emphatic... Megan Moorhart even say, said it. It would be more emphatic and mean more if Maddie breaks the record and Villanova wins the game. And that's what happened. Not only did they win, they dominated. 73-57. And the funny thing is, they were up 27 at halftime, 46-19. It was 26-6 to six at the end of one. Segrist and Ruta breaking the record. 23 points, 8 boards, 9 of 18 from the floor. Lucy Olsen came up with 19 points, 8 boards, and 7 assists. 8 of 13 from the floor, 2 for 4 from behind the arc. As mentioned, Burke, 5 for 6 from deep to finish with 15 points. But all those points were in the first quarter alone, which is absolutely bonkers. Christina Dalsey had 6 points. On 3 of 5 shooting in 20 minutes of action. 5 points off the bench for Bella Runyon. 2 of 4 from the floor. Knocked down her only 3 points after the game. And had 5 assists. Brooke Mullen knocked down a 3. And then they also got a free throw each from Megan Olbrys. Caitlin Oriel. 38-25 edge on the glass for Nova. Creighton just couldn't buy a bucket. While Nova was just red hot from 3. 56% from 3 point land. Creighton just 30% and 33% overall. And Nova was nearly 53%. Three different players for Creighton with 11 each. Morgan Molly, Lauren Jensen, Carly Batchelor. Molly's 3 for 6 from the floor, 2 of 4 from behind the arc. Jensen really struggled. 4 of 15 from the floor, 1 of 6 from deep. Bachelor 3 of 6 from the floor, knocked down her only 3-point attempt of the game, and that was off the bench in 27 minutes. Mallory Brake with 10 points off the bench in 15 minutes, 3 of 3 from the floor, knocked down her only 3-point attempt of the game. So those four players combined to score 43 of their 57. Emma Ronzik with just 7 points on 2 of 7 shooting and 1 of 4 from behind the arc. 4 points for Molly Mogensen, 2 points for the freshman, all from the free throw line, Keani Lockett. And a free throw from Rachel Saunders in 20 minutes. So how about Villanova? 9-1 in conference. It's pretty impressive. 
So, Saturday, Butler at number five, UConn at Gamble. Butler started off red hot. And they actually led 13-4. to four Halfway through the first. But UConn, it, it was all UConn after that. How about a 75-26 to 26 margin the rest of the way? 79-39 is your final. Leading the way for the Huskies, Aaliyah Edwards continuing to dominate. 20 points, 7 boards, 4 assists, and 3 blocked shots. 7-12 from the floor. 17 each for Aubrey Griffin and Lou Lopez Senechal. Each of them had 7 boards. Lopez Senechal had 5 assists. Griffin, 5 of 8 from the floor, 1 of 3 from deep. Senechal, Lopez Senechal, 1 of 10 from the floor. 7 of 10 from the floor. Why am I saying 1 of 10? What am I doing? <sighs> Whatever. Dorka Juhas, 14 points, 5 boards, 6 of 11 from the floor, and 1 of 2 from deep. Nika Mule, 8 points, 4 boards, and 3 assists. And Amari DeBerry knocked down a 3 off the bench. Huskies, nearly 54% from the floor. Only needed 4 3-pointers made on 13 attempts. 38-27 edge on the glass. 19 turnovers forced. Meanwhile, Butler shot just... Right around 26% from the floor. 7-22 from deep. And not a single player in double figures. Sidney Janes and Jessica Carruthers each with 7. 6 points for Anna Mortog. All for behind the arc and, and 5 rebounds as well. 4 each for Rachel McLemore and Tenley Dowell. They got a 3 from Caroline Strand and Trinity White. And Shea Frederick. And then uh, two points for Kelsey Taylor. So the Huskies, they're a perfect 10-0 in conference. Butler falls to 2-9. Now, by the way, I got to preface this. Um, the memes that have been made of uh, Kelsey Ransom uh, doing a little breakdancing, if you will, like, well, it's, it, it turned into like a breakdancing meme, like where she was doing like this balancing thing that I've, I know for a fact has been like a breakdancing move one way or another. Hence why that was turned into one of the memes. Like there's one of her like Photoshop doing that on top, right on top of the Eiffel Tower, by the way. So Grace and Ben, I've seen the memes. I see you. They're downright hilarious. Definitely instant serotonin. A good laugh for sure. And Georgetown got the win on the court at Providence easily. 61 to 51. First and third quarters was where this game was won. 16 to 4 in the first, 21 to 15 in the third. 61 51. And Ransom, the star of this game, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 12 of 21 from the floor. And it's only fitting she had the game high. Kennedy Fauntleroy, 17 points, 7 of 16 from the floor, and 3 of 6 from deep. She had three of their four makes from behind the arc. Meanwhile, six points for Grace Ann Bennett. Four each for Jada Claude and Brianna Scott. Uh, three from Christina Moore, and then two points from Kalia Myricks. 42-35 edge on the glass. But... Inside the arc, Providence struggled. They were just 13 of 38 inside the arc, whereas Georgetown was an even 50% at 23 for 46. 
23 turnovers committed by Providence. That's another big reason why they lost. 10 points to lead the way for Olivia Olsen and 5 rebounds. 4 of 8 from the floor. Grace Afosa with 9 points and 7 boards in 30 minutes. Kylie Shepard with 8 points in 34 minutes. 9 off the bench, all from behind the arc for Megan Herter to go with 8 rebounds. 5.6 boards, 3 assists for Janae Crooms. 4 each for Logan Cook and Naraya Scott, the latter which all from the free throw line. Two points for Emily Archibald, all from the free throw line, and Bryn Farrell was held scoreless. So this weird trend for Providence has continued, you know, exchanging wins and losses. That trend continued with this Georgetown win, and talk more about the standings in just a bit. St. John's visiting DePaul, another one of the picks I got wrong this weekend. DePaul started off well. They were up 20-15 to 15 after one. But a big third quarter, a 25-13 advantage is a major difference as St. John's wins on the road 81-72. And DePaul's given them a lot of fits over the years. But St. John's finally, they they get over the hump. 81-72, Jayla Everett with 24 points on 9 of 18 shooting and 5 for 11 from deep. 12 points for Kadeja Bailey, 4 for 14 from the floor, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. Double-double for Jillian Archer, 10 points, 11 rebounds. And then off the bench, Unique Drake, 19 points, 8 of 12 from the floor, 2 of 5 from behind the arc in 29 minutes. 8 points off the bench for Danielle Patterson, 4 each from Raven Peoples and Mimi Reed. And St. John's, they out-rebounded DePaul in this game. 41-38, and they hold them under 30% from behind the arc and shot 46% from the field. Anissa Morrow, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 10 of 28 from the floor, and 2 for 5 from behind the arc. Darion Rogers, 16 points, 8 boards, 6 of 16 from the floor, 2 of 7 from deep. Anaya Peoples has definitely improved. She fouled out but had 14 points, 7 of 10 from the floor, 5 rebounds. And then 8 points off the bench for Zaria Hurston. 5 for Kendall Holmes. 4 boards and 3 assists. Maeve McErlin with a 3. And by the way, no Jory Allen. So that makes a difference. Clearly lacking in depth. And then Zaria Hurston had to play 25 minutes off the bench. Had 8 points on 2 of 3 shooting and 1 of 2 from behind the arc. So how about Joe Tartamella and company? 7-3 in conference, 16-3 overall. And then Sunday, I don't know why, but Seton Hall, whenever they're on like FS1 or any game that is pretty accessible on television that clearly is not on flow, flow hoops in any way, shape, or form, they they really struggle. Especially evident against Creighton a week and a half ago, and especially against Marquette, not especially against Marquette, but again, this time against Marquette. They were only down 18-13 after one, but Lauren Park Lane got in foul trouble, and Marquette took advantage. 27-9 in the second quarter, more than enough breathing room, Marquette 80-61 winners. And shockingly, the leading scorer... 
Off the bench, it was Mackenzie Hare. In 24 minutes, she scored 23 points, 7 of 13 from the floor, 5 of 10 from behind the arc. Chloe Murata finished with 19 points, 12 boards, 5 assists, 7 of 13 from the floor, and knocked down her only three-point attempt of the game. Emily LaChapelle bounced back game for her, 12 points, 5 of 9 from the floor, and 2 of 3 from deep, and 4 assists. How about 9 points off the bench and, and 6 rebounds in 19 minutes for Micaiah Williams? Rosen Kumu with 7 points and 7 assists. Jordan King, 6 points, but only 3 of 10 from the floor. Kennedy Miles, 4 points and 6 boards in 22 minutes. And Marquette, hot 3-point shooting while Seton Hall was ice cold. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Also, the Pirates turned it over 23 times compared to Marquette's 10. Lauren Park Lane was in foul trouble again in the first half. She, I think she, she got all three of her fouls in the first half. 14 points, but 5 of 18 from the floor. Sydney Cooks with 12 point, 11 points and 8 rebounds, but was just 2 for 14 from the floor and 0 of 6 from behind the arc. Shea Hagans, 10 points, 4 for 6 from the floor and 2 of 3 from deep. One of the few Pirates that actually shot the ball well. Uh, Maya Bembry, 8.7 boards on 4 of 5 shooting. 8 points in 18 minutes for Kay Satterfield off the bench. 2 for 2 from the floor, 5 rebounds. And 4 for 4 from the free throw line. 3 each for Amari Wright and Victoria Keenan. I'm trying to think, like, hold on. They're missing somebody. Oh, yeah, they started Amari Wright over Shailen Pinckney. I think that's what happened. And then two points each from Jayla Jordan and Alexia Alesh. But again, Seed Hall just abysmal from three. Three for 19, that's right around 16%. And they also only had six team assists on 20 made field goals, whereas Marquette had 21 assists on 29 made field goals. So I think that, the end of the women's weekend recap transitions, Pretty smoothly into, because that game marked the exact halfway point of conference play in Biggie's women's basketball. So, considering, you know, they've already had the Golden Globes, you got the Grammys, and pretty sure the Oscars are still coming up in the very near future. I mean, it's awards season, so I think it's appropriate. Coming up next, it's the Igloo's Biggie's Women's Hoops Mid-Season Awards. Coming up right after this. Cue the awards music that I clearly don't have enough money to buy to use in this segment. It's the Igloo's Biggie's Women's Hoops Mid-Season Awards. You're all Biggie's team because I think that's the norm now on the women's side where they have a all Biggie's team preseason and most likely... They have a big-ass first team. So, these, again, you know, you could divide them into first and second team, but these are my all Big East honorees right now. The list begins clearly with Maddie Segrist. And you'd be nuts if you didn't put her at, at the top. So, Maddie Segrist, Anissa Morrow, two locks. That brings us to a player that has definitely come on strong. And most and by the way, I'm keeping conference statistics in mind here. 
Jayla Everett's been tremendous for St. John. She has been the straw that has stirred their drink this season. Coming over for Pitt, absolutely phenomenal. Cannot have Lauren Park Lane on this list. Darion Rogers has been a tremendous Robin to Anisa Morrow's Batman and has played the role of Batman when Morrow hasn't had her best stuff. Speaking of revelations, Jordan King has most certainly been that way. And then, getting into the nitty-gritty, I mean, haven't brought up anyone from UConn. The first name that comes up is Aaliyah Edwards. I mean, she has just been incredible this season. Averaging 16.6 a game in conference, but doing so much more that, to me, it doesn't really meet the eye. Like, with her rebounding, her blocks, steals, everything. Speaking of big, Sydney Cooks from Seton Hall is also on there. Then you also add Chloe Morata from Marquette, absolutely deserving, along with Jordan King. Lou lopez Senechal from UConn, and then the last two on my list, again, you know, first and second team. Some of them are interchangeable. They're pretty close, but to round out the list, Lauren Jensen from Creighton and Dorka Juhas from UConn. The all-freshman team, pretty clear... The freshman class hasn't really been all that great this season, to be honest with you, because the freshman of the year on this list, I mean, it it couldn't be more obvious. Kennedy Fauntleroy from Georgetown. And by the way, I mean, this goes without saying, Maddie Seeger is clearly your front runner for player of the year right now and my, my midseason player of the year. And like I mentioned, Kennedy Fauntleroy, my current freshman of the year, and joining her on my all-freshman team, Fernanda Ovalle from Xavier, Jessica Carruthers from Butler, and then Mackenzie Hare and Emily LaChapelle from Marquette, who you just heard had pretty good game Sunday against Seton Hall. Hare with 23 points, LaChapelle with 12. And then the distinct, like, the all, that you know, this team, and the award that I want to give out for it, I feel like this needs to be the norm. The all-transfer team. Again, these are players in their first playing season with their new school in the Big East. The all-transfer team headlining it, and my transfer of the year right now, Jayla Everett from St. John's. I mean, she's averaging like almost 19 a game in conference play. She has just been downright... Impressive. And for a while, Lou Lopez Senechal was a clear front runner for this, but Everett's taken that from her. But Lopez Senechal absolutely on the all transfer team. Rounding off the all transfer team, Rachel McLemore from Butler, who is leading them in, with, in scoring with 10 points a game. Anea Peoples, with her strong play as of late, has cracked the list. As has Maddie Burke. And especially with that monster first quarter, I mean, hey, she deserved to crack the list. Now, coach of the year right now, got to give it to Joe Tartamella. I mean, this team finished seventh in the Big East a year ago, had a losing record, and they were undefeated heading into the new year. 
And they're currently in third in the Big East standing, 7-3 in conference, 16-3 on the season. They can certainly keep it up, but their strength of schedule does get a little tougher. Because they still gotta play UConn at Gamble. They gotta go to Omaha to play Creighton. They gotta go to Milwaukee to play Marquette. Yeah, the strength of schedule is gonna become more difficult. Most improved, I mean, you could argue Darion Rodgers, but the player that has really come out of nowhere and wanted to give recognition to at least one player, one whatever, from every school. The one school that hasn't gotten an honoree yet, Providence. And my most improved, I mean, she's come out of nowhere. I mean, especially with some of the performances she had, like she had at Creighton in a mass, massive upset. Grace Afosa is my most improved. She actually leads the Friars in scoring in Big E's play at nearly 11 points a game. And then finally, sixth woman of the year. I mean, she had a big game against DePaul. She's had big games off the bench all year long. Going back to St. John's, it's unique Drake. I mean, she's averaging nearly double digits a game at, off the bench. I think it's nine points even off the bench per game. I mean, she's been a little inconsistent where she has a big game like she did against DePaul, but all this, you know, she goes missing in the next game. It's like hit or miss, Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde. But pound for pound, she's been the best bench player in the Big East in women's basketball this season. So, those are my Big East Women's Hoops Midseason Awards. The Men's Midseason Awards are going to come up either Thursday or Friday. I'll figure it out. But, segueing now, here are your midweek picks. Alright, let's get right into it. Starting with, tonight, number 5 UConn hosting DePaul. Kind of shocked they're favored by as many as they are. 28.5 at Gamble. I mean, this is a game supposed to take place January 8th, but UConn didn't have enough scholarship players to do it. Well, thankfully they do this time. Or... Actually, you know what? I still don't think they have enough available. I think they just, you know, you can't do it the first time. They're just like, okay. UConn's like, fuck it. We'll we'll play whoever we got. And they are still kicking ass. And they will continue to kick ass. And they will demolish DePaul. Now, Providence, again, they have exchanged wins and losses for like the last 10 games or something like that. It's It's nuts. And this is a trend that, if we want to be technical, started way back on December 10th. Win-loss, win-loss. Win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. You know, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. I mean, that's a very difficult trend to ignore. And Providence, they went into Omaha and took them down. Obviously, the big growing pain is, again, they're 3-7 and seven in conference. And only one of those wins was at home against winless Xavier. But you know what? I'm feeling the Friars here. So I'm going with the Friars. Yes, sir. 
in an upset. Now, Wednesday night, let's see. We'll start with Butler and St. John's at Carneseca. I think that goes without saying. I'm going to take St. John's winning uh, to improve to 8-3 and three in conference. Seton Hall at Georgetown. Georgetown's starting to figure it out. They're, they're on a roll, whereas Seton Hall, they're unraveling. This might be a... <clears throat> Hold on. I I almost went on a went out on a limb, excuse me, and picked Seton Hall. Almost picked Georgetown. But I think Seton Hall is going to figure it out and they will get back on track with a win over Georgetown, but the Hoyas are going to keep it close. I mean, they hung with them tight in Walsh. I think they'll do the same at McDonough Arena. Now, Xavier Marquette, 8 o'clock. I mean, come on. This goes without saying. Marquette's going to win big. And then in the We Back Pat game in Knoxville, Thursday night on ESPN at 8 Eastern, rivalry renewed, number 5 UConn, visiting Tennessee. Tennessee, 16-6, and six, but that 16-6 and six is kind of deceiving because they're a perfect 8-0 in the SEC. I mean, they lost six games early. They lost at currently number two in unbeaten Ohio State. They lost to a very good Indiana team at home. They lost to UCLA in Atlantis as well as Gonzaga. They lost to a very good Virginia Tech team in the Jimmy V Women's Classic. Also in Knoxville. And they... Played a hard-fought game, but lost on the road to then number two Stanford. I'm giving Tennessee their respect. Like, they're really good. Yeah, they're like to me. Yeah, they're really good. But in the end, I think UConn will have enough to win this game. Actually, no, no, no. Actually. The depth is going to hurt them. That that again, that's just how I feel about it. So in an upset, unless they get more players healthy, like a Caroline Ducharme specifically, who it's been she's been really good in conference play. Granted, she's only played four games, but she's averaging fourteen points a game in Biggie's play officially. And by the way, no, they they did have seven scholarship players available. The only difference is Ayana. No, wait, no, they didn't. Ayanna Patterson was out with, in concussion protocol. Never mind. You hope, because both of those players, Patterson and Ducharme, are in concussion protocol. But I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm picking Tennessee. <clears throat> Speaking of going out on a limb, Tuesday night, DePaul visits Georgetown in DC. Will the twenty nine game lose, losing streak finally end? Listen, I went out on a limb picking Tennessee to beat UConn on the women's side Thursday night. You know what? If there's any team that Georgetown is finally going to beat, it's got to be the team that whose role they've taken in the conference in terms of being the punching bag. DePaul. Give me the Hoyas winning. Yeah. Feeling it. Meanwhile, top 20 showdown at Gamble, 6.30 on FS1, first game of a doubleheader on Wednesday. 
13th-ranked Xavier visiting 19th-ranked UConn. Again, the big thing is UConn, so much better at Gamble. Drastically better. I mean, you saw how they looked against Creighton at Gamble. You saw how they looked, how badly they looked against St. John's at the XL Center. I think now that UConn found their mojo again, blowing Butler out, I think UConn wins. I feel like I haven't picked against them once in Big East play yet. I feel like that'll change eventually. I mean, shame on me because I feel like I, I should have trusted my gut in certain games. Like, for example, against Xavier, I was really close to picking them. Same against the Providence as well. And in hindsight, would I pick them against Seton Hall given how poorly they looked against St. John's? And especially given that they didn't have Dan Hurley and Kamani Young on the sidelines due to COVID. Probably. But, oh well. What are you going to do? Now, a little bit further east, 830, 23rd-ranked Providence hosting Butler. Friars get back on track. Uh, well, continue to get back on track. They ended the two-game losing streak on Saturday. They get their second straight win Wednesday night with a win over Butler. And then the game that will officially mark the halfway point of Big East play on the men's side, Creighton hosting St. John's. I think it's going to be an ugly game at 9 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Given how bad St. John's offense was and given just the level of contempt, I guess, that is being felt among the fan base for St. John's for Mike Anderson... Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't bode well, being honest. Give me Creighton, big. That's going to do it for this episode of The Igloo. New episode Friday. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next time.